did it. Hello? Oh my gosh. I I think we've done it. You have, you have to talk in order for me to verify that we've done it. Uh, let's see. Here. I can hear you. I, you must not be able to hear me. Where's my teaspoon? Here we are. I'm going to transfer this tea bag out of the teacup. Hey. My coffee cup. Hello. Teacup. Hello. Yes. Am I here? Yeah, I was I was moving a tea bag out of the cup that I brewed the tea in cuz the uh the tab fell off. The tiny th- thread. What is it called? The tea tag? Tea tag. The tea tag fell off. So I was left with a loose tea uh loose loose bag situation. Did you I, panic? I saw no, I stayed calm. I stayed calm in the face of panic. I'm a problem <laughs> solver. I'm a I'm a father. I can't be I can't be a, a single loose bag can't scare me. Or well, or I I would <laughs> I have to handle things. I have to, and I have to handle them quickly. Uh I I mean I I helped a kid puke into a toilet not a week ago. Um and what's your technique for that? Because I've tried a couple ways and they all end poorly. I define end poorly. <laughs> I don't know. Puke on everything. Oh well, that see, I don't feel like that's a technique. I don't think that's a father technique uh, shortcoming so much as you know. You've got a lot of things at play. You've got the kids' ability to problem solve on the fly. You've got um, like physics, really. Just, just. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got epiglottal uh, uh, sort of uh, shape. Probably takes uh, a certain uh, amount. You know. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I've yeah generally it's it's gotten down to a, a sort of a judgment call on when they go from looking fine to undeniably they're going to throw up in the next ten seconds. And then I found that sort of like the gun method where you hold them up and you you like point them, and mm. and that's that's the good as I could do. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Archer is, uh, so I've learned this Archer, uh, well, I guess, uh, I would say quarterly, it's sort of a quarterly thing. Uh, he'll just get really tired around dinner time, and he's not, he doesn't want to eat. He loses his appetite. Um, sometimes, sometimes he loses his appetite after he eats, in which case the whole next part is a lot more eventful. Uh, but he, uh, he just seems miserable for about 30 minutes or an hour. And I don't know, like he doesn't run a fever. He isn't sick afterwards. He's really perky afterwards. But for whatever reason, like nerves take over or something didn't agree with him or whatever. And he'll uh, and he'll suddenly go, no, stop it. No, <laughs> because he he hates it. He hates. Uh, I mean, just like we all do. He hates the feeling of uh, his body uh, taking over uh, and doing something he doesn't want to do. Um, I, recently, I, I, I saw it. I saw the signs early enough this time I was able to get him in there. And uh, it was a. It was a uh, an A plus toilet puke. Like it wasn't even on the seat. I was very proud of him. This is a terrible way to begin whatever this podcast is. You don't have to. I mean, it's not editing if you just start the recording later, right? No, I. Really if you were bad. expecting me at some point to say like, "All right, you're ready to record," that's that's not. That's sort of not the philosophy uh, that I'm. I've unilaterally chosen for this 
Yeah, do do tell what the philosophy there is. Uh, that's I think we're doing it. Oh, well, we're li- we're done. living the philosophy. Practical, practical philosophy. It's a really rare. It's really rare. So practically, I may have to help myself throw up in the near future because I don't feel well. Wait a minute. Uh, okay, I have. Well, I have. I mean, before I have questions, I guess I, I should say that's that's a shame. I'm sorry you don't feel well. Thank you. I do have questions okay. though. Less sincere. Oh uh, yes. What? Uh, you, you. So you're gonna help yourself yourself through are you sort of a of a um that that persuasion do you like uh i i think i respect that but i'm also terrified of it oh yeah okay i see what you're saying and and, and to some degree yes my my general angle on this situation this is the second like protocol for throw up in two minutes so that's impressive but (laughs) i'll lay there like archer like like denying to my very last fiber that this has to happen and then it becomes too torturous and like i'm just stuck in limbo so yes sometimes i just like pull the trigger get it over with type of situation it's horrifying as it sounds i mean i'm more or less with you except i feel like when the trigger is pulled i'm just not the one pulling it (laughs) I just (laughs) – that didn't come out the way I was imagining it. What I saw in my head was that you were too afraid to make yourself throw up. So you had Shannon in there. Like just punching me in in the gut or something. (laughs) Just do it. Do it before I say no. That's awful. Yeah, I think I see that. She doesn't seem like she's one to put up with weakness, you know? Like just – handle it mm. i mean i think yeah i think that if we can pick one like non explicitly uh expectorant based uh like a parable parable sort of a message here is that you know handle it <laughs> yes handle it uh, well but no one no I'm one else fine. is around to handle it you have a six-year-old they're not going to handle it a two-year-old's <laughs> certainly not going to handle it my two-year-old is covered in bruises for all the times that she failed to handle it. Um, <laughs> there, I'm the senior member of this like micro society here. If I don't handle it, it ain't getting handled. Well, I am the sole handler, uh, being that my wife just left to go to Charleston for bassoonery. So like they're SOL. If I'm out, they're mm. just going to have to handle it. Well, that's you see, this is interesting because I don't think they have to handle it. That, that's I think the an important point in life is uh, a, a sort of philo- like general philosophy, I guess, is that uh, there is not like a default handler, and the default state of something does not revert to handled. True, and it's a very surreal feeling when you finally become the handler, and you're like, "Am I really though?" Like. The first time you take your kid home from the hospital, you're like, this is illegal. Yeah. This is uh, – they shouldn't let me do this. I'm going to file a complaint. Right. And then you – I mean I'm not sure who the complaint would go to at that point. My, well, uh, many people, myself included. Okay, yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, or the, the you walk around the corner in a, in a grocery store and the kid is not there and you're like, wait a minute. 
this kid doesn't have an ID or the ability to say my name or or any number of, oh gosh, I'm getting stressed out now. No, I mean, uh, you know, at this point, one of them watches after the other. So there's, I would say 2% of the, my handling ability is covered by the six year old. You know, that's a good point you just made. And I know that's surprising, but Mm. IDs. We should have little kid IDs, right? With like stuff on them. I I think that society has completely skipped little kid IDs. They've gone straight from the um the 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 bungee cord that you attach to your child, like as a harness, like you're mm-hmm. going to, which I do not uh, ascribe to whatsoever. And it also looks like something where you could maybe just like start spinning them around. Now that part I could maybe be into. But we went straight from the bungee cords straight to, uh, I think there's tiny child Fitbits now. I'm certainly not going to Google it, but that seems like a thing, right? What are they tracking? I mean... They're tiny steps? What's happening? I don't know. Hold on. Uh, This is setting a really, really bad um, precedent for this show. I shouldn't be typing and talking. Yeah, which Fitbits are best for kids? Fitbits for kids, Dick Sporting Goods. It's a whole product page slash product slash Fitbits for kids dot JSP. Uh, <laughs> I mean, use your imagination. I'm not going back to that page. No. All right. Well, I'm sticking with kid IDs because they could look really cute and, you know, useful. I mean, let's be honest. Microchips. Oh, that's wh- what we need. Wait, wait a minute. Where are the microchips and the IDs or the kids? Oh, the kids. Yeah, oh. no, because you know they'll be losing that ID. That was going to be my next question. Kid, I mean, uh, Felix has pants that have pockets, and she was very excited about them until we both discovered they were purely decorative pockets, which I think is a really cruel thing to I'm, do to a two-year-old. Nothing ever makes me more upset, and that may or may not be hyperbole, when I find a pocket that's not really there to be a pocket. Mm. Would you say that you're more angry at a pocket that isn't a pocket or a drawer that isn't a drawer? Oh, I would say the pocket because sometimes, you know, the drawer that's not a drawer is just because it's in front of a sink or something. It's like, okay, I get it. You couldn't put a drawer there. Well, questionably, you could make like a tiny drawer. Yeah, a little flip out drawer. It would actually be really cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the pockets are just right out. That's true. You only I mean, it's, usually you just go ah, eh, and then you go one drawer down, and there's a drawer. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, pants. Usually, if the precedent, if the pants precedent is this pocket ain't real, there's not like a just kidding. Here's another pocket, pocket like further down. Mm-hmm. Um, the and speaking of pockets, mm. it is the sole. Yeah, it is one of two things that are even remotely positive about cold. And by cold, I mean not 60 degrees, mm-hmm. is pockets, pockets, just jackets full of pockets. Well, let me it's tell you. like personal freedom. Hold on. I'm writing this down. Uh, let's see. What's today? I'm going to um, I'm gonna narrate this. Uh, let's see. I, I want to store some information uh, that seems like a useful thing because I'm not listening to this episode again. Let's see. Fake <laughs> pockets. Uh, smaller than sign, fake drawers. Got it. Also write, oh, I don't know what this is for, but definitely write down tiny drawers because I liked that idea. This is more just posterity for posterity. Um, tiny 
drawers. Also, let's see, child IDs. <laughs> the child IDs things, I feel like, really got undermined by, by some of the pocket-related revelations. What were you talking about a minute ago? Let's see, post fake drawers and fake pockets. Microchips. Microchips. No, post microchips. I said I've lost that it. they would lose their IDs, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, because they didn't even have pockets to put their IDs in. I mean, are we are we le- are we going down a path toward like uh, a pet collars for children i'm don't want to i feel like that's that's well, too on the nose we wouldn't call them pet collars my gosh my, my really only question is is it just a, an invisible subdermal chip oh or is it like a tattoo like Ooh. a microchip tattoo oh we were which re- i personally mm-hmm. like Okay, uh, hold on. What we I remembered what we were originally going to was I, I was going to show off about the amount of pockets that I have been like living here in the north. I have I'm I'm, I'm a wash in pockets, uh, but to to close this off or to at least I, mm, uh, subdermal dermal chips on children. Uh, I I'm not opposed. I feel like we've got to get subdermal chips on somebody. Uh, might as well. And what are we you know, doing with all of these like? RFID tags. They're just sitting around. Right. Uh, above skin. Uh, and also, uh, we have the opportunity to sort of set a precedent where if you are told a subdermal chip now, you know, I don't want a subdermal chip in my arm. But if I was six and you said, hey, this is normal, and you just shot me with one, I'd probably be fine. And also, I would have no preconceived notion that that wasn't okay. We can indoctrinate children with... Okay. Mm. Yeah. What was so, the... Mm. Right. Cam, right. Cam said... He who controls the youth controls the future. Right. Um, that's too many words. I just thought Cam said bad thing. All yeah. Right. No, that'll, that'll I it. could guess that like mm. a Jeopardy question. Yeah. Um, so, Pockets, Chicago. I, I, I came here with, uh, I came here from Florida, and the heaviest jacket I owned was a, uh, a American Eagle peacoat that I bought in 2007 in Nashville. Uh, and that one has two pockets. And you look, I mean, I think a peacoat, a peacoat has some good pockets because they're not too far down. They're kind of like up a little bit. So when you put your hands in it, it you're, you're kind of hunched over. You look like you're protected from the cold. However, <laughs> uh, a peacoat is good up down, down to about uh, 32 to 25 degrees. And below that, you're, it's not cutting in, especially if it's snowing. So now I have a parka. And boy, howdy! A parka is like a tiny house full of pockets. Is it like the? Is it like a real puffy looking thing? It's it's not too puffy. There there's definitely a, a puffiness. How does uh, your body shape handle the puffy? Mm, like, is it just like? Don't, I don't look at me. It's cold, or I don't want to dive too much into my body shape uh, here. But oh, um, well, where else are you gonna do? That's that? true. Uh, no, it's, I think it's a, it's an appropriate, it's, I, I'm filled out, uh, proportionally. Oh, my wife is home from French class. That's not a euphemism. Mm. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's, so, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to lose this. Uh, cause I, uh, you're right. I have that exact fear. And when I went to buy a parka, they had a normal parka and then a, a slim parka. And I, I went normal partially because the slim parka from the brand I was looking at was, uh, the entire inner lining was like hunting orange, like a neon, like a traffic cone orange. Uh, 
this was a negative for you. I, you know, you got to wear it every day. I, I, I wasn't ready, uh, <laughs> for, for that specific, uh, you know, drop $200 on a, on a bright orange lining. Um, where was I? But no, it, it fits. It's fine. And also you got to think about like societal, uh, mores here in Chicago where everyone wears a parka and it is understood that everyone's going to look kind <laughs> of like, uh, um, you know, a, a, a marshmallow on two toothpicks. It's, it's just, that's what, how it works. Um, but boy, I have some pocket options. I got some outer pockets. I got some uh, pockets a little bit higher than those pockets. I got an inner pocket. I put my phone in because it gets too cold for the dongle here. So the dongle coming out of my Apple device uh, will cease now, that working. Was, mm. That was a euphemism, right? Mm, I mean, I if I had a, mm, could be. I mean, I do have a couple of dongle pockets if you put it like that. Hmm. It's too cold for the dongle. Um, Tell me about it. Yeah. So two is fires. And I have a fireplace, which is a bit of a strange thing to have in Florida. But Mm. it's heaven. It's like some kind of primal enchantment. I get very excited about the fires. I, I, man, I would, I, we're, we're not in a building where I could have a fire. And I can't remember the last time I sat in front of a regular, is it now let's talk about your fire. Is this a, is this a, um, area for a fire? Like, are you, or is it a, a, a knob that you turn on? Is it a gas fire or is it a fireplace? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think you were trying to go ease into that because you were so upset by the potentiality of this question but uh no it is a brick fireplace mantle that is a, a hole in the wall with a chimney above it and so you are adding the combustible materials and you are responsible for making those things combust mm, that's so satisfying so right there's no gas i mean convenient yes but it it sort of negates ninety to ninety five percent of the magic of the fire. I'm not sure why. Starting a fire is definitely primal. I get like, like, you know, like what was that movie? Uh, uh, Two thousand one Space Odyssey. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one too. And then uh, two thousand ten movie. Anyways. I like my fires. Mm. Speaking of movies, guess what came in the mail today uh, that made it better? The Fifth Element. Such a great guess. I don't <laughs> know why you. it would be, but uh, other well, than Gary Oldman, who, well, what do you say about him? Um, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, my goodness. Blu-ray. DVD and digital copy. Now it's all three of those. One thing. It's amazing. Man, I I I don't I I I didn't know that was available yet. First of all, well, um, this is the first day it's available. <laughs> I did see that in the theater. Uh, in one of the what semi uh, semi regular. I would say that we're we're turning it into a thing, but it's really only happened a couple times. Shannon and I have more or less worked out a system where. If one of us really wants to see a movie, we just peace out and go see like a 10 o'clock showing uh, and uh, alone, obviously, um, because paying a babysitter for for both of us to sit in the movie theater is 
for people who have made money. Um, so I did. I saw can't handle. Can't. I could barely handle it. That's what I'm getting at. Is I I saw that movie not that long ago, actually, um, toward the end of its run, and I sat in the middle uh, of an aisle. I have actually a theater. I managed to in this this city, which you wouldn't think you'd be able to do this, but. I have a theater number and a seat number that if I can get it, I, I is like my seat at the movies. Uh, I was able to see this. How this, interesting. Right? It's, it's well, every theater I've here. I've never conceived of that. Yeah. It's, um, theaters here tend to be reserved seating. So I'll go down to, to I'll look for a showing at theater 14 and uh, I'll get like the middle. I don't remember the exact seat, but I'll, I've actually went back and looked at my previous order to make sure I got the same seat. Um, for Blade Runner, is this just, for Star Wars. Is this just like sentimentality or is this like some kind of actual researched position you're taking here for theater 14 seat XYZ? Well, it's uh, 12.75 to see a movie. So <laughs> at this point, I'm afraid of every other theater that isn't theater 14 because I'm worried that theater 14 is like the big one and I'm going to go pay 12.75 and I'm going to sit in a broom closet like in one of the other ones. And I, it is as for the seat location. It is in the center of the screen. It is at the perfect. It is at the back of the front section. You know what I mean? Like you're not in the, you're not in the yes. uh, the nosebleeds, yeah. mm-hmm. but you're not staring up at the screen trying to handle the everything. Uh, it is it is primo. And that is exactly where I saw Blade Runner, and I'm I would say I am still somewhat processing how unrelenting that movie was. Uh, yeah unrelenting Mm -hmm. in what sense uh it it was uh for i i maybe i've been seeing too many uh super superheroes movies too many marvel movies but uh Mm -hmm. or too many uh i i just feel like i haven't seen a movie where someone when someone gets punched they get punched like in a way that makes you you feel punched and Uh That brutal, movie, visceral. Yeah, there, there's, uh, there. When there are, there's an extended scene in that movie where two people are punching each other and pretty much drowning at the same time for, I think, forty five oh, minutes. That's my least favorite scene. I couldn't believe how long that scene was and how no, much movie there had already been. My least favorite scene. <laughs> that movie, uh, it's like, first of all, well. It's obvious that I'm a fan, but um, it's like all of the major plot points just could have just gone away. Like the plotty stuff, like the fight, the missiles, the what the heck happened in the other. I don't know. I don't know. This is I don't know what this podcast is, but it's not a movie podcast. So you don't have to be correct or or right about anything. Um, Yeah, we don't read the mail. mm -mm. It doesn't matter. Anyway, you should watch it again. I, I will. Uh, hold on. I'm writing down punching each other and drowning. I don't know why. It seems important. Um, yes, I will watch it again. Uh, the reason I mentioned The Fifth Element is my, my father texted me last night and said, we just watched The Fifth Element, and we being my uh, mother and father and sister and brother. And uh, it's like, that's an amazing movie. <laughs> oh, like, I've never seen it. We just watched it. Right. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then he started texting me fun facts about the movie. 
Did you know that Gary uh, Oldman that is always like fr- a dad thing, right? He's a, Gary Oldman's always framed by circles, and Bruce Willis is always, always framed by triangles. I said, I it. don't know how I feel about being told those kind of things about a movie. I like to imagine a good movie has more in it than I recognize I'm seeing, and that's almost enough for me to have that feeling. Perhaps watch it again and like believe everything is intention or intentional. So yeah, I'm okay not knowing about the circle thing. I I completely agree. I I do not like trying to figure out a movie. I don't sit in a movie to try to win at the movie. Uh, you know. What yeah. I mean? Well, movies that are made to be like that are exactly what they are. So. Mm. I don't think I've seen a superhero movie in, I don't know. You know what? I don't want to talk about it. It's boring me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think I saw one on an airplane. Um, one time, <laughs> here here's a pivot. One time I was on an airplane and I flew over the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, why well, you know I rode over the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, the screen in front of me was uh, broken. Uh, but it wasn't broken in the sense that it was off. It was broken in the sense that it was attempting to mirror uh, from the server uh, a Linux instance and restart. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Right. So I'm looking at my screen and my screen is copying down a you know an, an image of an operating system. And then, you know, so it's just white text on a black screen and then it's attempting to restart using that image and then it's failing and then it's flashing white for about a quarter of a second, the entire screen, and then it's starting over again. And each of those cycles probably took like 10 minutes, which means that every 10 minutes the screen was flashing white. I eventually like uh, took a ripped out a piece of magazine and like jury rigged a cover to the screen. (laughs) Yeah. I'm imagining that you just sort of were annoyed at first and then like as if it's some kind of off-brand Nick Cage movie. By the end of the flight, your like brain is completely taken over by the idea that it had some kind of deeper meaning and you spend the rest of your life trying to figure out the math. No, well, that's the the twist is mm. that it did. And I don't know what the meaning is, but, you know, that's the whole I want to spoil it. Well, I am thinking about it still. Uh, although that honestly, that sounds like an, that sounds like an on-brand Nick Cage movie. (laughs) Yeah. I thought about that. I was going to say B Nick Cage and all of them are redundant. So, Mm -hmm. yep. National treasure. Almost done with my tea. Um, let's see. What else could we talk about? What do you, uh, Let's talk about food. I assumed that we would talk about food when we started this and cooking, but instead we talked about puking about food, but Mm. my body doesn't want food. Mm. I'll tell you what I ate for dinner was literal chicken soup, not like good chicken soup. Just I found a can and it was something that my body wouldn't reject. Mm. Like a progresso chunky chicken soup. No, what? It's the Campbell's baseline. Oh, you mean like the like the chicken noodle soup? Oh, I see. Well, I grew up with the chicken noodle soup for the um for the sickness, but the chicken noodle soup was in a packet. I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, chicken noodle soup. uh, It's a um, it's pack. It's a it's like I want to say like ramen, but ramen comes with like a hunk of noodles. 
uh, which I did used to eat dry in college. And uh, the chicken noodle soup comes in a packet, and then you just dump it in hot water, and then you end up with uh, chicken broth and noodles that are impossible to eat because they're tiny and flat. Yeah, well, anyway, it was quite distressing for mm. somebody who likes to eat good food or at least experiment and eat food. So I had to deal with it. Clearly, my expectations are just too high. People can be happy with chicken soup, I'm sure. I mean, sometimes you need water and sodium. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's fine. That now is not the time to your body is not up for experimentation, uh, gastro, gastric, uh, gastronomic experimentation, culinary, well, culinary, the night hmm. culinary, culinary sounds more pretentious. So maybe go with that. I've been wondering whether it was culinary or culinary. And I think you just caused me to realize that it's culinary, isn't it? I, that's where I'm going with it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, but not but last night, I cooked up a steak and remade the risotto cake. Oh, I didn't tell you about it, but I did say I made risotto. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Shannon actually just after that made a, a, a risotto, a, a squash risotto. But tell me about your risotto. Squash risotto? Mm-hmm. Butternut squash. Anyway, normal risotto, like mushroom risotto, you know, chicken broth, short green rice, stir it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh shallots and whatever parmesan cheese so you chill it then you take it out then you form it into patties in which you slide aged smoked gouda a small amount you don't want to overpower what you've already put in the risotto obviously then you either bread that or don't i did bread it and then you pan fry it in some oil and then until it's heated through and then you eat it and then you eat another one and then like you're sort of sick and you just keep eating them. Goodness gracious. Was there, was there a breading in there? Did I hear a breading? Well, yeah, I said, I, I've done it without the breading, Uh but you can bread it, uh, which I did last night, just like panko. Right. Uh, it's good. That's a. I actually have a uh, significant amount of butternut squash risotto in the refrigerator right now. It's ready. I mean, it's just waiting for you to cook it up. I mean, you don't have to put cheese inside it or any of that. Just crisping it up in a pan is like delicious. But either way, I don't know. I feel like sliding cheese in there is a. I mean, if it, it feels like a, it's the one, two, three punch of the of the patty and the and the the cheese surprise and the and the breading that really it's makes it commercial of some kind hmm. <laughs> oh man i see i i'm gonna i'm gonna examine this i i personally have almost no risotto experience because uh it feels like this is a very ignorant thing to say i think probably but it feels like a very arbitrary dish like all of those things were probably fine as rice <laughs> And you could just make some rice with stuff. Have you ever had risotto? <laughs> <laughs> I have. This is a this is a purely a time versus uh, benefit. Like, oh well, hey, scale. listen here. That's all. This in this method, 
though it is an extra preparation, it removes the idea of having to time your risotto to be hot and done right before a meal, which of course is absurd because it takes up all of your energy. Right. You can do it in the morning I see. and then it's ready to go. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm back in then. I okay. see. Cause I'm I mean, just, mo- I am. most of the time I'm cooking, it's because something is up. Like for example, tonight I got home Shannon had to study for her French class. Uh, the children were uh, at it all day. We actually all slept in this morning, which was bizarre. We don't set an alarm because we have children, but the children slept in, and then we all woke up at like 8.53, and I was late for work. So everything's been behind all day. I came home. There's fish thawing in the in the sink. Shannon says, I'll text you the recipe for fish burrito bowls, and then she disappeared in a puff of smoke. And, you know, that is not the time that one is like, hmm, time to dote over a risotto for 45 minutes. Nah, man, I slapped a bunch of stuff on the stove and got pans going. Make make uh, some cauliflower rice was about as uh, as interesting as that got, I guess. I'm um, still imagining that Shannon has like a literal sort of satchel with different like little uh, glass files that she'll like throw down on the floor when she wants to like have different effects such as vanishing before you can ask a question type of thing. Oh man. If I, I mean the way either of us vanishes before the other person can ask a question is usually just to look down at your phone and forget that you're listening. Um, but I mean, drastically less dramatic. Yeah. I'm sure that if those vials existed, uh, we would have a plentiful supply (laughs) mostly to use for the kids. Wait, to disappear from the kids when yeah. they need something? Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I definitely need those. I, I mean, kids need a lot of things, and kids are terrible judges of whether they actually need the thing that they think they need. Um, no, I want to make it them disappear because I don't want to have to get up and hide in a choking cloud of smoke. But where, <laughs> but where are you going to – I mean, I don't know how much – space you're working with here but like i could if i could teleport archer to the other side of the <laughs> the apartment all that would happen is that he'd be on the other side of the apartment and now he's got one additional question <laughs> come right back how did that happen <laughs> yeah like i've solved nothing i've just created more work for myself all right clearly it's got some bugs but i like the concept <laughs> somebody could be teleported somewhere what you need is a cover story so, like, one parent can teleport or, you know, smoke bomb. The other parent can be like, oh, mommy had to go. And now, you, now you've got something. But the moment now that you're you... just the sacrificial anode, man. Now you're just, I mean, that's the classic. I'll take one for the team and step in, mm-hmm. let them pepper me with questions. Yeah, it was, but... in the, it was in the vows somewhere, probably. No, I looked. I made sure before. Mm-hmm coverage for for uh piecing out via ninja smoke bomb yeah no i have a really extensive prenuptial agreement it's incredible you should read it sometime Hmm. i don't remember what my vows were at all it's been over a decade i don't have to i guess I'm pretty sure mine were what was in a book somewhere. Oh man, this is see now we're gonna get we're now we're getting to a place where I'm gonna have to deal with the repercussions of this podcast in like less than 24 hours. Um, hmm. hmm. 
Well, I made I made fish t- uh, burrito bowls. I mean, there's not a lot there, but you you know it was. I'm getting you know what I'm getting better at is uh, multitasking in the kitchen. Like, oh, I need some onions. I need some like I need to throw. I know I can throw this on, and I know that it can just sit there and simmer for a little while while I'm doing this other thing. And mm. that hey, how big is your kitchen? My kitchen is I would say a. a it's a perfectly sensible kitchen. We actually just got a new stove for reasons uh, from our ten- our uh, landlord. So uh, it's got a nice a nice uh, gas stove. Gas. Yeah. Well, we're in Chicago. We Everything's all gas. Be so lucky. Yeah. It's because it's because the whole building is heated via gas and stuff. So just everybody has gas. Uh, well, so. makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I I have zero kitchen complaints. I actually think our kitchen is uh, normal. I know well, it's a boring answer. I want more kitchen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Or like 3D kitchen. That's mm. gotta be doable, right? I mean, though it already is in 3D. I just need more counters. More counters. Uh, you could get a. Do you have? Do you have a center floor space? You could get a little rolly island kind of thing. Nah, we mm. we thought of everything. <sighs> anyway, we cook a lot. I feel you though. I think I'm in the same boat. Actually, we, somebody gifted us Blue Apron something the other day, oh, yeah. and it was not, it was actually pretty good. Like the food is actually good, but what I liked about it was that it made me cook stuff that like I just avoid because <clears throat> I like cooking other things more. And then I'm like, oh, look at this! I've learned like three new techniques on accident. You know, typically podcasts wait for the Blue Apron sponsorship to start talking about. Oh, we got to make inroads like we got to put it out there because we're really low profile. (laughs) (laughs) Like that may be an overstatement. Infinitely low. We haven't named or uploaded the (laughs) podcast yet. Uh, Yeah. I I received a cease and desist letter from Blue Apron. (laughs) Please Please wait. Do not mention our product on (laughs) I guess you're dragging us down. Um, no, yeah, I we actually I only have uh, I also only have good things to say about them. We we will resort will resort to a blue apron now and again. Uh, although what we have discovered uh, is you could just get the recipes off the blue apron website, and those are free. Uh, mm. And oftentimes uh, their recipes are good basis for other stuff. Although uh, there are, yeah, you're right. There, there are some things that will show up in that box that are very hard to obtain, um, like lemongrass. I remember coming in one. It's not super easy to get lemongrass sometimes. Uh, like fresh. Look, lemongrass. you live in Chicago. Oh, like, I can't. You get anything? I can get lemongrass. Don't get. I, I know a guy. Do you have a lemongrass supplier? Yes I, it's, no? it's Chicago. I could call Amazon. And someone will show up at my door with lemongrass in 35 minutes for $35. But uh, Blue Apron... Sounds worth it. Mm, well, I mean, boy, let me. This the, everything in this town is delivered by Amazon or in a Lyft uh, driver, but with a Lyft driver. But uh, no, Blue Apron is great. They have... Uh, you discover new uh, foods often. Uh, they do a lot of cool quick pickling. And I like, I like a good quick pickle. Oh yeah, who doesn't like a good quick pickle? Mm-hmm. And uh, and a uh, the on now I've already forgotten the name of it, but there's a little like a patty, a, like a corn patty that you can use for Mexican stuff. Arepas, maybe that sounds right. I've uh, heard something like that before. Arepas, 
Yes, it, it is. A, it's a it's a culinary delight. Yeah, it's a chewy, chewy little like a uh, corn and flour patty that you can cook, like throw stuff on, and in lieu of like a you know, as a sh- shake it up a little bit from a taco night. Having it's a getting wild, night. man. Yeah. <laughs> Just I don't like that word. Uh-huh. Uh, arepa. You gotta. That's uh, better. Yeah, okay. you gotta zazz it up a little better. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an A. Well, or it's an E. Hmm. Hmm. Well, do you cook for a lot of people over break? Uh the holidays. I guess. Yeah. Me and my brother Jacob are. I don't know. We both like cooking food, and it's like some kind of hyper feedback loop if we get around each other, and we're just like throwing things and pans and buying expensive things to make into edible foods. Let's see. Give me your most, uh, your most, uh, uh like shamelessly, uh, indulgent, uh, uh, uh it's got to involve, well, if, if just indulgent or like, Shouldn't spend that much money on a steak indulgent. <laughs> I mean, th- that counts as I, I, you said expensive, and I was going with the yeah. You know, well, sin, okay, so wagyu steak might. Be oh jeez. Okay, straight. I to bought that. a wagyu brisket once, but like somebody helped me buy that, so I felt better about it. Are these? Isn't I thought that mm, I don't really know. I I've heard I see it everywhere, and I, I figured. Oh. You're right. Let me back up. Is <laughs> is uh, wagyu stuff outside of Japan actual wagyu? Because I've heard that only oh, that all yeah, that no, stuff is wagyu. Fake. Well, Kobe. Oh, I'm thinking of Kobe, it's, aren't I? Wagyu is an approximation of Kobe. Oh, okay. Certainly, it's not the same, but it is comparable. Um, you know, prime wagyu. It's sort of like take a step up from your average prime, and that's what it looks like. Got it. Um, and it's insane. I have had real Kobe. I had it at Kraft in New York once, which was – i that's the most indulgent thing I've ever eaten. It was insane. And I had A5 Wagyu or something, which is like the highest grade of the high grades, like um, Carpaccio at some fancy Houston restaurant. And mm. that was also amazing. That's the stuff where they like keep the cow drunk its whole life and like massage it every day and keep headphones on yeah. listening to Kenny Space. G. Um, it's like the Kim Jong Un of cows. <laughs> um, I I one time in uh in uh, Jacksonville, I decided to splurge on steaks because there was a there was a old fashioned D butcher sort of downtown. And it was very expensive, so I assumed we kind of assumed it must be good. And we bought these steaks. It was probably like uh, seventy five bucks for two steaks. You know, they're pretty hefty, but mm-hmm. you know, it was a twenty nine to thirty five dollar a pound kind of place. And uh, later, I learned like the grades of steak and learned that it wasn't even like prime; it was just choice, I think, or whatever. <laughs> what? and, but it was it was aged, I guess, and also at this like uh, kind of pretentious yes. butcher. So I, I got taken in by the by the. 50s paper hat old timing the label yeah mm-hmm. and i i just assumed it was fancy and it was good steak but um i i felt had afterwards a little bit mm. yeah so 
that pork belly is a thing. It, that's probably like the most intensely unhealthy and flavorful thing that I cook with lately. And it's hard to stop. That's just so what do you so good. what do you do with your pork? What what do you uh, uh, do with pork multiple, belly? You could do a bunch of different stuff. I smoke it. Um, it reheats so well. I mean, you can just use it in other things after you've made it. But smoking it's pretty epic. Uh, this last time I did like a what, what's that guy's name? David Chang or something? Mm-hmm. Um, his like steamed pork bun recipe where you like rub down the whole belly with salt and sugar, leave it for a day. Then you cook it, roast it, bake it lower, chill it, slice it, refry it in a pan. It's crazy. I, I very seriously looked at doing that recipe for my family overbreak and backed off because of the bun aspect the steaming buns, which I'm pretty sure I could do all the pork belly stuff. It seems, you know, there's a lot of steps, but it's, the you know, bun recipe is a ton of steps. We yeah. didn't make those. We bought steam buns from Houston and then steamed them at our house. Even steaming. Well, a we bun, did, we did steam of. them. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was better steamed. Hmm. Well, I'm impressed by your dedication to the pork belly recipe because there was a lot there. I, I made a recipe out of that same cookbook uh, for my family, uh, which was, uh, if you recall, the uh, the chicken liver terrine. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. First of all, oh, my gosh, they're just giving away chicken livers at the grocery store. Like, I realize they're chicken livers and no one wants them, but it was like a bucket of chicken livers was like $1.69 or something. Like I'm not quite sure where they're that charging the, anymore. Is that the technical quantity they're sold in? Like uh, it, a it, bucket. It was a, a sack, a barrel. It was like a um, twenty ounce. Like it was like a very large sour cream container. I guess like kind of a tub <laughs> of livers. <laughs> yeah. I'll take two tubs of livers. I did. I took two tubs of livers. Um, and then I forgot. I needed two. Uh, I needed a pound and a half. I think. And uh, I forgot at some point in the recipe and used all 40 ounces of livers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, one uh, on a scale from one to 10, you know, would you go liver heavy again? I I wouldn't um, necessarily. It came out fine because it's not a it's a it's a really easy terrine because uh, there is no. there's no slicing involved. It is the kind that you just scoop out with a spoon and smear. This is for banh mi. I should give some context. This is for a banh mi Vietnamese sandwich. And uh, so you just kind of scoop it out and smear it on the sandwich. It's the it's part of, you know, the one of the two meats you put on a typical banh mi. Um, so it was a little livery, but by the time it's been spread on a sandwich, you don't really... It, you don't really worry about it. It is supposed to be roughly uh, a certain quantity of ground pork in the recipe uh, to kind of, I think offset the liver and give it some structure. Um, but the rest was fine. I don't know. It was disgusting. And I've never, uh, mixed, I've never put, a uh, a bunch of livers in a blender before. And, um, that part of it was it sort of visceral, um, in a bad way. Um, and then <laughs> pouring a big hot thing of blended liver gook into a pan was also, you know, there's something about mm-hmm. when you're dealing with smaller animals that you need to use higher quantities of them. It's just so striking that 
you're just like consuming these creatures. You're like, kill a hundred chickens to sacrifice for. Oh, hello? Did I lose hello? you? Oh, okay. You cut Did out there you? for a second. Okay. Everything's oh, fine. Everything's fine. Know. No, yes. Yeah, self censored here. You know what? I may, uh, you're right in the sense that, uh, you know, it took 40 chickens to make my terrine. But you know what? <laughs> I've eaten, I've eaten a lot of wings. I know there's only two wings per chicken, maybe four, I guess, if you, you know, think about it in wing segments. I've eaten, yeah. you know, like that. We, we break down chicken into constituent parts. They're like Legos. <laughs> like, this is not. We, the chicken chicken eating is is a very broad. Like I, I can buy a pack of the equivalent of 20 chickens worth of legs at the grocery store for like $9. Uh, I don't know that the, any of these are good features of the way food works, but it's definitely a thing outside the liver buckets. <laughs> they're, they're tubs and... Yeah, I don't know whether to be impressed or horrified. I think both is appropriate. Well, I mean, the, so the liver's got to go somewhere. Um, right, if, I if, mean, once you kill the chicken. Right, if it's not going to me. You've got to use all those, those organs. We use yeah. every part of the chicken, usually for fancy feast, but sometimes for a cool terrine uh, that everyone ate. I had, a, I had a, an amazing hit rate on the on the uh, banh mi sandwiches. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, we did a fish fry as well because my dad got like this fish fryer thing. And so Jacob and I went and got some fish from Joe Patty's and did a beer batter, all this stuff. I bought like buns and stuff to make po' boy. All this to say it was good, but we made our own tartar sauce instead of buying one just because it looked doable. Yeah. It was all the difference. Mm. It was so good. Always make your own tartar sauce. Always. <laughs> like, I'm writing it that's down. That's it. I, I would expand that. And, and like, uh, many things are just mayonnaise <laughs> with some stuff. There, mayonnaise is in so many things. Your own tartar sauce. I mean, I would always, I would say always make your own, um, like, uh, ranch dressing. I made a ranch dressing with pickled onions in it, and it mm. took five minutes. And it was amazing. Wait, much... how are these pickled onions used? This is, is actually diced? this is actually from the same <laughs> this is actually from the same cookbook. Uh, it, he actually this is the secondary method. The main method he wants you to buy ramps and then pickle the ramps and ra- ramps. Are you familiar with a ramp? I'm not. Oh, it's like a. Uh, are they like arepas? In a, <laughs> it's like halfway between a green onion and a leek. Is my understanding sort of like a fat green onion situation? Those things all look real similar in my head right off the bat anyways. Okay, go ahead. So uh, he he said if you don't want to pick, you know, you could hear a heavy sigh in the copywriting of the recipe where it's like, well, if you don't want to pickle ramps, you could just go get some pickled uh, cocktail onions and mix them with some chopped up uh, uh, scallions. So that's what I did. And, uh, you know, there's a couple other other ingredients and some mayonnaise and a little bit of buttermilk and you got yourself a, a nice sharp interesting tasting ranch dressing dang that's right yeah sauces are key always make your own tartar sauce yeah uh yeah anyway i'm gonna say i'm one more thing from that same cookbook uh that is magic uh there is a recipe in there for pickled mustard seeds you have to get yourself some of these pickled mustard seeds what do you you pickle the mustard seeds so and Here's, then you just 
bread them on stuff. Yes, you take you take some uh, some sugar and some salt and some rice vinegar and some water or something. You know, normal pickling, quick pickling sort of stuff. You boil uh, m- just regular old mustard seeds in them for like forty five minutes, and the mustard seeds expand oh. and they get kind of goopy. So the whole thing, like with no other thickening agent, just the mustard seeds themselves become the thickening agent, and you end up with like this sweet mustardy uh kind of sauce you can spoon onto literally anything and it's amazing it's it is magical you can put it on some chicken i i mixed it into another sauce i have thrown it on salad i've thrown it in sandwiches uh you must do this it's great i have to do that Mm -hmm. it's in that it's in that cookbook although it's about 400 times easier than the thing you did in the cookbook (laughs) so Wait, that's Mamafuku? Is that the yeah, cookbook? This is the about? Mamafuku. Yeah, cookbook. Okay. yeah, yeah. The David right. Changlin. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Always make your own tartar sauce. Just yeah. If you're going to all the trouble of beer battering or frying, or generally most things that are tartar sauce, I mean you're probably you've probably fried something. Or I mean Yeah, do you put tartar sauce on something that's not well? I mean you like black in it. You 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 could get some co- shrimp cocktail, I guess. Probably put tartar sauce on those. Can you make your own cocktail sauce? Probably. Clearly, co- co- yes. But co- <laughs> just keep it going. <laughs> uh, I I don't like cocktail sauce. I don't really understand it. I don't. I'm, okay, I don't dislike it. I don't really understand it. I I it's a confusing sauce to me. Uh, yeah, it's very much like. Catch it's just ketchup and horseradish. Like that's all I can taste. I think we might be suffering from never having made our own. I, this sauce. is true. For, in my I mind, about the tartar sauce, cocktail sauce ingredients. I because I feel like cocktail sauce is uh, like thin, weird ketchup. Uh, let's see, it is ketchup, prepared horseradish, lemon juice, and Tabasco. Okay, so yeah. That sounds like almost any take on that that is more thoughtful would be better than that. Mm. Also, ketchup, ketchup doesn't blend well with anything that's meant to be subtle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit, just there. I, I'm going to wait. I already said that. I, I tend to not make things where an ingredient is ketchup. Yeah, ketchup is sort of like what I put on a burger and fry that isn't like a well-made one. Mm. If you make a nice burger, there's no ketchup on it. If you give me like a okay burger, I'll just put ketchup all over that. It's just, you know, it's just a vehicle at that point. Yeah, we're getting we're getting awfully highbrow here. I don't mean to brag on ketchup too much. Although I do live in Chicago where ketchup is treated like a um, exclusively for fries. You can't put ketchup on a hot dog here, et cetera, et cetera. Very tired oh, topics. I did. Yeah. yeah Wait. I moved away from that as well. Oh, on a hot dog? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you aware? I mean, I guess to me it's a tired topic because I live here, but are you aware of the like hostility toward ketchup uh, on, on meats that exists in this town? No. Are you aware of why I discovered that it wasn't better to have ketchup on a hot dog? Tell me. I was but a young man. Hmm. Visiting a Sam's Club, uh, you know, it's immediately, and uh, I got a hot dog and I put 
mustard and ketchup on it because that's what I did as a kid. And I had two and I ate one and I couldn't eat the second one. And it was like a large hot dog. And I'm like, what a waste. And I see this guy, this maybe he was 50 years old, normal looking person. And I said, hey, do you want a hot dog? I didn't touch it. I can't eat it. And he's like, sure. And he takes it and he goes, who puts ketchup on a hot dog? (laughs) And I was like, first of all, wasn't expecting that. I was charity, you know. Um, Second of all, I never heard it said. So then I tried mustard. Like, that's all you really need. I mean, I like a lot of other stuff, potentially, but never used ketchup on a hot dog again. That man changed my life. How old were you at this time? I was a teenager. I want to say maybe 16. Impressionable. Well, first of all, I I think wise beyond your years. I would never have... uh, uh, and also a product of a much smaller family than mine. I can't, I genuinely can't think of a situation in which when presented with more food, <laughs> you did. I, I, <laughs> I would not either eat it immediately anyway, out of principle. I or, lived a charmed life. Just <laughs> throwing away hot dogs. <laughs> Left and right. Here you, you go, old man. Sure. <laughs> then I just spray ketchup on it in front of them. And I go, want it now? <laughs> And just and throw it on the ground, trash. stomp on it. No, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, the food was a precious commodity, um, and I don't say this like we were we were well off. There were just a lot of us, and all of us were hungry, and I was hungry yeah, all the time, scrambling. Yeah. And I mean, how much unsweetened corn puffs can one eat? You know, <laughs> you mean puffed corn? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> copyright pending. Oh man. Um, well, I I I will say the. Uh, I had a more or less similar experience with the hot dog where I realized that there is a flavor profile to a hot dog that is that cannot be denied uh, because I grew up eating hot dog. First of all, I grew up mostly eating boiled hot dogs. There would just be a bunch of hot dogs in a yeah, pot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, and the way I treated a hot dog was I treated it as a hamburger in a different shape. So I just put until, you know, I reached like a geometric limitation, like a slice of tomato ain't going to go in there. I would just dress it like it was a hamburger. So I'd yeah, spread it's like, I'd, Yeah. It's like the Taco Bell of America. It's like, do you want a piece of bread with meat between it? Or do you want a long piece of bread with meat between it? <laughs> exactly. That's how I saw it. So I take the hot dog bun and spread some mayonnaise on there. I pop a hot dog in there. I put some uh, ketchup on it and put some mustard on it. And I was done. And most of the time, a burger tasted better than, you know, a burger sort of for a lot of reasons that's a better treatment for a burger so i i thought of hot dogs as basically a inferior like a diet coke to a coke like an inferior meat uh and oh i didn't i wasn't so antagonistic against them but yeah they weren't really special i mean whenever i saw a hot dog it was typically in a situation where there was always a hamburger and it felt like there was no reason for me to choose the hot dog um (laughs) yeah that's true but then i got a little bit older one day i was feeling punchy or and i actually I, I may have been uh, taken in by the novelty of the little uh, the little uh, onion dispensing thing where you turn the little wheel and it just like drops out a bunch of onion. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, I I think I just felt like a felt like a trying on a new hairstyle, and I threw some uh, mustard and some uh, or and some onion and some 
uh, relish on there, which I vehemently hated as a kid. And it worked out. Oh, dude. <sighs> Two things. Um, onions. That is the single biggest ingredient, flavor, anything that I'd swapped from my youth. I was vehemently against onions. Uh, I guess your tastes do change, probably physically. I don't know. But something switched. And I think it was hot dogs, onions on hot dogs. Not to like steal your idea, but I think it really was. It's okay. And then, like, I'll have to check, but I don't think onions on hot dogs was and, my idea. And and then it was just like, what else do onions go on? And it was all it was all uphill from there. Um, and I don't remember the other thing. I'm that's really sad because I was excited about it. Well, I mean, I, I will say that. Uh, Two, I have two memories of eating uh, food at your house when we were probably sub-12. Uh, number one is uh, y'all had – I stayed for dinner, and your mother cooked pork chops. And I wasn't sure if I was allowed to eat pork chops because I had never eaten a pork chop. So I called my family. <laughs> okay, go on. I just – I don't know. Our family didn't cook pork chops. It, like, never came up. And I, I was like, I want to make sure I'm not missing some sort of, like uh, – uh, so paragraph. I mean, what's the, no, I just, I, my mom never bought pork stuff growing up out of some, her mom literally eats no pork, but it's not for a religious reason. It's for, because she thinks pigs are gross. I mean, it's not, she's no scientist. Um, so like it just never came up. Uh, so that's number one. And my mom laughs about that. And of course I ate the pork chop. It was fine. And also I remember a, a big snack, that for you growing up that I may have tried once was a slice of uh, salami <laughs> microwaved with mustard on it. Just a slice, not on a bread, not on a, Dude, maybe, maybe on a paper towel. It's a quick snack. I swear it wasn't, but last month that I got hungry at night and I found a piece of salami, nuked it till it was cracker, put mustard in like a dab of like crystal hot sauce and just, mm. I stand behind that. Oh, I, I'm 100% am behind it now. I think oh, at okay. the time I was like upset, mildly upset. That, You're like, where's the ketchup? Yeah. Well, hey, now, but I mean, for me, of course, at the around the same time, a snack would have been to um, take some slices of Colby Jack and put some mayonnaise and mustard and make a Colby Jack cheese sandwich, which is barely a sandwich and more of a traversal <laughs> method to get mayonnaise and mustard into your face. Um, so to, to see someone just take a single piece of salami and then like put it on a paper towel so that all the grease came off and then just be like, yeah, Look, uh, you put mustard on it. <laughs> you, you remember that accurately, I have to say. Uh-huh. So like I said, you remember that accurately. Yeah. Uh, so like these hot dogs, it's like, is Chicago like pretentious about food in general or is hot dogs a thing? I mean, I know there's a Chicago dog, but like otherwise, um, I think that Chicago is too big to be universally pretentious about food. Um, and there's a lot of different stuff here. Uh, the Chicago stuff, like the like the Chicago dog and the Chicago beef and the Chicago uh, pizza, are there. that's really all there. <laughs> I guess that's it, right? Those are the three things. And there, I think that these uh, the culture behind those is so beaten into the ground that no one really wants to make a big deal out of it either way. There's an, a visible fatigue in someone's eyes. 
if you start being like, what's what's your favorite Chicago pizza? And they're like, oh, do, we, do we really have to do this? Every travel, every show that comes to Chicago is like, well, let's go look at the pizza. And like, or the uh, actually the beef is the odd man out there. Some people have really strong, very strong beef opinions. Uh, but, but pizza, I don't know, like, uh, there's really good pizza here. Uh, and there's really bad pizza here. I don't know the some of the pizza is really deep. Uh, the, 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 this is, this is just strikes me as one of those like auto generated visit Chicago pages, right? They try to get you to click on. Well, and like, there are people who will defend some of the more garbage pizza and like the pizza where the crust is like, uh, kind of sweet cracker and then there's about a inch of solid mozzarella cheese and then there's uh there's pepperoni but the pepperoni have been covered by either more cheese or sauce or something so they're not crispy they're just wet there's a layer of wet pepperoni um that's not good pizza but i've also had very good pizza here so i'm 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 it would be wrong in just damning all of chicago pizza the hot dog thing is kind of funny because I mean, it's, I guess, you don't normally see, like, Chicago dog. It's just a hot dog. And gen- generally, when you go to a hot dog, there's more stuff available for your hot dog. And that's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just how it is. It's very understated as opposed to the pizza. So you're at home. You've got some all-beef koshers. You putting those in a pan? Or are you throwing them under a broiler? Are you doing a combo? Do you even have the option to grill? I do not have the option to grill uh, currently, uh, and I haven't done hot dogs in a while. But when I do a hot dog, I am going to char them in either or in a uh, in a cast iron pan. Now, uh, something I started uh, that I saw this hot dog place in Nashville used to do that I do is you cut uh, you cut like X's on the ends of the hot dog about a half inch in, so, mm-hmm. so the end kind of splits out and gets even more charry. And then you throw them yeah. in. You throw them in there. You really blacken them up good. Uh, I prefer a char dog. I would say. I've tried a lot of different cut patterns to see what works best. Oh my On goodness. the sides, the ends, swirls. I don't know. Cut seems to be better. Yeah, the swirl seems a little Instagram to me. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's doing anything. Uh, I thought maybe the geometry of it would like. I don't know. I'd just char them up. I'm a big fan of broiling things, though. I feel like there's a lot of foods that if people would just throw them under a broiler for, like, a minute, they would be, like, 30% better. I, You know, I wouldn't normally have gone with that, but I, I had an extenuating circumstance where I was attempting to, uh, well, for the, the aforementioned Bon Mies, I had, like, a six pound, five or six pounds worth of pork loin cut into strips, that I had marinated in a bunch of stuff and I had to saute them, a lot of them like quickly. And I ran out of pans in this, you know, Airbnb <laughs> stove situation almost immediately. And then I just panicked and threw a ton of them on a bro under on a sh- baking sheet, threw them under the broiler and it worked out perfectly. I think you're right. It's, you know, it's upside down sauteing in a lot of ways. You just do it. Yeah. It's, mm. it's the secret. Now that said, a Chicago dog, the official technical Chicago dog, if you want to be pedantic, is is a boiled dog. It is a boiled dog with a steamed bun, and uh, people will talk about the snap of the bun ca- or the dog casing and all that stuff. I don't know. I like a char dog. 
<laughs> Very. We actually have a good hot dog place here, but well, it's all right. Anyway, uh, relish. That's what I needed to talk about. Mm. Relish is definitely now that I'm thinking about it, one of those things that I bet you could make it better than you buy it generally. Like I, a, there's, I've had sweet relish and it just feels like I'm eating corn syrup or something. I don't know. Yes, I, I a lot of good relish, especially in the South, is disguised as chow chow. You get yourself some chow chow instead of some relish, and you're in business. Mm. Have you had chow chow? It sounds familiar. Is it like a yellowy? Yeah, it's, I'm not I'm, uh, relish. I'm, I've already told you everything I know about chow chow. <laughs> well, you said it so confidently. I just thought you'd yeah. have a lot to say. So, I think sorry. it's similar. I mean, I, I've been in situations where instead of relish, there was chow chow available, and I put it on there instead of relish, and it was better. So I'm I'm gonna go with that. I mean, I I think you're correct. The uh, the the diced uh, green. Suspended in corn syrup is a bad scene. Uh, that's probably what it is. I don't know. Uh, I did make a corn bacon relish, quote unquote, uh, over break. That was only vaguely a relish. It was really more of like a, a preserved salad kind of thing with like corn and bacon and some, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm seeing it. Yeah, yeah. some like pickled, uh, some salt and sugar and some um, diced up uh, yellow bell pepper and stuff like that. Um, so relish is like a blanket term for a zillion things that aren't just like the you know the sweet relish um an un- untapped well of uh of pickly type things i would say i'm i think that relish deserves more attention i'm writing that down relish relish relish, relish. i'm just writing relish and underlining it there i don't know beautiful yeah um, you're almost making me hungry yeah, uh, that's true. We've been doing. You've been powering against like the every cell in your body. I'm assuming at least a proportion of the cells in your body to continue to talk about food. <laughs> I I appreciate your uh, your ability to handle it. Some things are more important than health. Mm. Yep, you're right. I, okay, good. Yeah, I had to think about it for a minute, but that's that's such a platitude that it must be correct. So when do we when do we argue about politics on this podcast? Oh man, I, I signed up for that. I was warming up with some food and some puking and some uh, embedding. Let's see, embedding chips into children, punching each other and drowning. I mean, we can metaphorically punch each other and drown next time, probably. Um, I don't. Let's see. Uh, no, I don't think I was quite listening. Did you say something about punching? Mm-hmm. Punching each other and drowning. Oh, each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, all right, well, we get one political word each then. I'll limit it to that. But as Can like a, it's like say a, a word. Okay. That makes me understand you're talking about a thing about politics in a single word. Is this kind of an end cap? Because I'm terrified. We're an hour in. I'm terrified of starting. No, you can't go. There's nowhere to go. That's the oh, word. I see. We've, we're starting at the finish line. Yeah, like you get one word, no mm. comment. Mm. Okay. Is is it? And it could be an answer or to a question. It could be a question. It could be a. It could be a opening a box. It could be closing a box, as it were. All a can is the operative anything. Oh my goodness. 
That's a lot of pressure for one word. I'm, I'm feeling the pressure myself. I shouldn't have made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I figured that you had one in the chamber here. You think I set myself up to succeed? No. I blindly push forward until it happens accidentally. A single political word. Is it a sort of current events kind of situation? I I think that would be the best, probably the easiest <laughs> relation. All right. I'll go with uh Well, I'll go with subpoena. Subpoena. Okay. Mm, when you say it like that. Subpoena. <laughs> Arepa subpoena. Sub, subpoena. <laughs> Uh, Hold on, let me get any, let me I'm get gonna any go. closer. Subpoena. You know, it I feels feel good. like the medium distance worked too. Mm. What does my mic sound like? Uh, good. My, it sounds all right. I mean, I, I, we're also dealing with Skype. Um, it, it as it, I, I think it is fine. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out later. All right, I'm gonna go with the word button. 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 I'm writing it down button are we is there a plan to explain this word in a future uh i've made it clear i have no plan oh okay all plans are on the table all right well i wrote it and i underlined it and then i even for some reason i've drawn little like angled uh lines coming up from either side of the underline so it looks like they're both in little buckets or little pockets i guess there we go button or tiny drawers tiny drawers real drawers I had a drawer like that in front of a sink. It just flipped open at like a 45 degree angle. And then you could put, you could forget that you put things in it because of Yeah, I've seen those, but I'm, that's not acceptable. I want tiny, tiny little ball bearing rails. You know what we should talk about next time or sometime? Uh, oh no, I forgot the term for it. No. (coughs) The, 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 uh, the, um, the, not a card catalog, but the thing that the apothecaries an apothecary. Apothecaries. Apothecaries. Just generally. Just not, not the store, but the furniture. It is a, uh, it was like a, imagine a desk of drawer or like a, a dresser or something, but instead of three boring giant drawers that hold things, like a 20 by 20 grid of tiny drawers that could hold anything tiny. Are you sure that it was called an apothecary? Because that is also the name of like a medicinal shop in ye olde time. You know, I just, I don't want to look up. You, I'm Googling for the third time right. in the first episode. An apothecary cabinet is what it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also Which acceptable. Which an apothecary could use right. to hold all their stuff. Or I could use for anything. All I want. I want one day. I want a, I want one wall of a room to be a um, giant bookshelf with a sliding a ladder on wheels. And the other side, apothecaries. Just, I want, I want. Wait, uh, Multiple. Or what if the other wall is just an apothecary? Right, like exactly. A wall-sized. The royal we, oh. just apothecary, singular, but meaning multiple, like rice. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. The visual is stunning. Yeah. Now I want that. Yeah. All right. Dream of apothecaries. I'm going to cut this. We're going to go. Cut it. All right. Think of a name for the podcast. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. Uh, Bye. Bye.
rise and 